Welcome to the Recruiter Abroad podcast. My name's Dilta Daherday, and in this podcast series, I'll be interviewing expat recruiters who have emigrated all around the world. A bit of a different one today for you, though. Um, this is just a bonus episode, and it's one that we released the other week on our other podcast, Recruiter Startup School. Um, the following is a interview I did with a million-dollar biller who is based out of his home office in... Boston, Massachusetts. Hope you all enjoy. You're enjoying the World Cup. And uh, and yeah, let me know what you think of this. Welcome to the Recruiter Startup School. My name's Dilda Doherty, and in this podcast series, I'll be interviewing investors, directors, founders and general thought leaders from the agency recruitment world on how best to set up, scale, operate and even sell your recruitment business. This week I'm speaking to Rich Rosen. He's a million dollar biller from Boston, Massachusetts and a really great guy. Uh, Rich has been in the industry for over 25 years I think. He's built close to a million or over for the last 10 years which is just incredible. And he does it all from his home office in Boston. Rich recruits for uh, IT sales guys mainly, and or professionals, not just guys. Um, and, and yeah, we went through how he did it, how he set up, how he went from being a young stockbroker, making hundreds and hundreds of calls to learning, uh, learning recruitment in six months and then launching his own company and how he's never really scaled his business and he's still running a desk and how he's never actually really met any of his candidates or clients. Uh, great story, great guest, great guy. Hope you all enjoy it. I learned a little bit from it um, and I think if anything it shows that we can all do a little bit more and make a little bit more if we just get our heads down and get on with it like Rich does. Still plans 50 calls a night uh, every night uh, for the next day and then just you know has concentrated core hours of working and doesn't waste his time. Uh, so uh, if you're enjoying the podcast uh, please do send it to other recruiters and if you want to come on and tell me your story then reach out to me on LinkedIn and uh, yeah we hope you enjoy. Rich Rosen. Hey Delta how you doing? I'm, I'm fine how are you today? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Where where am I calling to, Rich? Where are you based? I am in Boston, Massachusetts. What's the weather like there now? Finally, it is a beautiful, sunny day. <laughs> First time in a long time. <laughs> Lovely. Are you excited about the World Cup starting? We are. We got a good, good couple of good teams in the pool. We're we're looking good. Who are you <laughs> rooting? Who are you rooting for? Uh, because of my picks, Uruguay and England. <laughs> Uruguay and England. Good luck to you on That's that. Everyone's top choices. <laughs> so, Rich, welcome to the Recruiter Startup School. We are delighted to have you. Well, thanks for having me. Excited to talk to you. So, I, I first came across you on Animal's uh, radio show, and I wanted to wanted to bring you on here to offer a different a different perspective to people. A lot of people think that whenever you set up a recruitment firm. 
you have to hire 10 people within a couple of years and you you end up managing people more than recruiting but you've kind of gone the other road haven't you could, could, could you walk us through your your journey of what led you into recruitment Sure, sure, sure. The, uh, the, the, the short version, I, yeah, I was actually the youngest stockbroker in the country at one point, which was probably the best training ever for this job because of all the calls you had to make and everything else. But uh, I mean, I was 21, managed about $150 million worth of assets for this big broker. Long story short, he went crazy, worked as a bro- uh, just went back to cold calling up here in Boston for, uh, for Dean Witter, was making, I mean, literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of calls a day. Um, and uh, after being the top guy there for six months, the guy wouldn't give me my own desk because I was doing this training program. So I said, screw it. I'll leave. I'll go try this recruiting thing if I like it. You know, I, I, I heard you can make some good money on it. If I like it, I'll start my own company. So I went to management recruiters, closed two deals my first 10 days on the job from scratch, which I think is still the fastest at MRI, at least in Boston. Um, that was 20-something years ago. Give us an idea of what, the, what, what, what recruitment was like then like that's pre pre using the internet for recruitment. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, back then, I mean, literally it was thermal fax paper and piles and stacks of resumes. There was a phone system that was literally older, a year older than I was alive in the office at MRI. And, um, you know, and it was just, it was literally going through, you know, had a big desk water where you'd write down all your calls for the next day. And, you know, you just work down your list, you know, but they were like, Hey, make 50 calls a day. And I'm like, that was a piece of cake. I was making hundreds of calls a day before. <laughs> so it was, it was dynamite. It was what a 22, 23, it made $40,000, I think in my first 10 days of work. Wow. Like, this is great. <laughs> so I uh, lasted MRI for six months and, you know, I literally bought the first computer system at first computer at MRI in Boston and out of 77 recruiters, I bought my own resources. And I was like, well, this is ridiculous. What am I, what am I doing here? So um, six months later, I was the top guy. I think pretty much every month I was there in the top five and went off on my own. You went off on your own after six mo- after only six months in the job? After only six months. <laughs> the, 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 the joy of being a stupid 20-year-old. <laughs> and I, I take that, are you single then? You don't have any kids? Yeah, any- no, it's single. Just uh, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, just had an apartment at the time, and it was, uh, it, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of responsibility. So, you know, quite frankly, it was the perfect time to do it. wasn't a whole lot to risk. You didn't have any restrictive covenants, as uh, as as we would have here in the UK. No- uh, I mean, they they had them, but I was, you know, I, I figured I'd roll the dice and see what happens. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, it was. <laughs> I, I believe the, uh, the any any laws have uh, lapsed, any time restraints have lapsed at this point. So, and uh, <laughs> but it was, it, you know, I was what I was twenty three, I think, and uh, I was there for six months. I mean, what are they going to do? Yeah, I was, <laughs> so that, what, what that was were you my recruiting thought. back then? I was doing uh, nursing homes. I was doing director, n- nursing administrator, nursing home administrators, directors of nursing, supervisors. Um, not not much different than what I do now. So. Now much more into so, you know I do all the last twenty years has really been all software sales reps and executives. So, so you began you began in a completely different space. At what point did you did you decide to pivot and uh, go further up ministry, the food chain? Yeah, the nursing home industry went bankrupt, so it made it a very easy choice. Um, most of the companies were going under. I had my one and only client ever. They, you know, the, the one and only time I've ever gotten uh, basically cheated out of a fee was, you know, in that space. And, you know, the fees weren't as big, weren't huge, but they were good. And, you know, it was just, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really passionate about it. I think to be successful, you got to be passionate about what you're selling. 
and I, I, you know, I tried a couple of different areas that I liked that I thought were interesting and did fine. I made a couple of placements in everything from, you know, you know, from finance to architecture to even a, a tow truck driver for a friend, um, <laughs> a tow truck, a tow truck salesman, actually. To, uh, but I really always thought software was interesting. I thought it was cutting edge, and you know, I found I found it it's fun fun to read about for me. So that's where I gravitated towards. And and is this around the dot com boom? This was in the middle of the dot coms. This was like you know, I, late nineties basically. So, um, you know, I, I think I probably switched into software. I don't I don't know what year it was. Probably ninety eight, ninety nine, someplace around there. And what happened when that first crash came? Did that affect you? Oh, yeah, that was scary as hell. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely affected me. Uh, you know, that one affected me a lot more than the second one affected me. But, I mean, I still had a good year, but it was a struggle. I mean, literally, my clients were all, uh, they're all up against the wall. No one was using recruiters. They didn't need to. There's a gazillion people out in the out in the market. So, yeah, I mean, it just you just, you know, for every two calls that I made before, I'd make four now. It was just you had to make that many more calls to get it done. And since people weren't really, uh, you know, hiring, you, you know, you had nothing to do other than find companies that were willing to work with you and that, you know, would pay a respectable fee. So, so. How, how did you run your day back then? And what kind of incremental changes, like how, how does your day now look in comparison? Uh, I mean, back then, you know, you were still, you didn't have LinkedIn, you didn't have the internet. It wasn't as readily, it wasn't as powerful. So you were, you know, you were setting up companies to call, you would still plan, you know, I, I still plan now every night. I plan, you know, 50 plus calls a day, every day. So back then, instead of having phone numbers that you're ready, you would, you know, make a list. Sometimes you look them up. Sometimes you would just, you'd get the main number and, and just, you know, kind of call your way into a company and really have to, you know, figure out how to get to the right person. And so, so today, when, when we look at your, when we look at your business, you've been doing this for 20 years. Surely there isn't too many cold calls for you to make. If you're making that many calls within uh, this I, niche, I still make a ton of cold calls. Actually, I, I love cold calling. I think all these recruiters that don't like to cold call are crazy. I think you know, relying on email is a horrible way to do your business. I think it's a tool that you should use. You know, you need to use tool. You need to use everything: texting, emails, phone calls. But I think to me, you can't build rapport over an email. You know, calling people out of the blue. You know, if they get offended, they get offended. I play sales guys. They shouldn't get it. They, they if they're going to get that offended, they're probably not that good, in my opinion. This is true. So, yeah. what, what walk me through what your average day looks like now? So, you, you plan fifty calls. How, do you get up real early? Do you fit in exercise? How, how how do you run this day? So, I mean, you know, so like you know, like you know, Monday. Yeah, so typical day. You know, I start. You know, like Sunday night, I plan for Monday. So Sunday night, I'm getting my calls ready. I'm getting my list prepared. I know who I'm going to reach out to. I usually do a big email blast, you know, uh, that night before to people I'm going to call the next day. And, you know, I get up, get to, you know, get my kids off to school and get them, make them breakfast, lunch, all that good stuff. Go to the gym for, you know, an hour and um, get on, you know, start working 8, 830. And, you know, I, I go pretty much straight till 5, 530. And so then, you, you have a you have a virtual assistant, right? Yep. I got a virtual assistant. She's 30 hours a week. She lives in France. So she's works more. She'll work till, you know, three o'clock or so on, you know, East coast time. Do you, do you have a meeting with her every day or once a week? No, or? I mean, honestly, I talk to her mainly over uh, instant message, you know, different, different uh, tools that we use, but, and she gets it. She helps do a little research. She sends up meeting invites, uh, you know, basic little projects, you know, but she doesn't really get on the phone. She doesn't, she's not a phone person at all. 
So she, but she does what I need her to do and she does a decent job. Very, very good. Okay. So, so that, so that there's kind of humming in the back, in the background. Mm-hmm. She does a lot of your, your scheduling and all the rest. Do you use her to send, send resumes? No, I mean, I, I used to do that cause I'll do the write-ups and everything else. I mean, I really do 99% of the stuff myself still. Like the biggest thing she t- saves me some time on, on stamping resumes when they come into my database, um, cleans up a few things here and there, does some re- like research. I mean, She's just kind of a catch-all, you know, for for a lot of a lot of things. Some days it's more research than others, and you know, it all depends on the day that's going on. But uh, you know, it, it's I, I probably don't use her to the fullest, quite frankly. Okay, so you, so you so you run your calls um, during during those core hours. You're working to give people. Can you just give people an idea of the desk you're running, um, and and what, what's your geographical remit within that? So, I mean, I, like I said, I do software sales reps and executives for, you know, mainly for startup companies. So I work national, I work all across the U.S. and Canada. Uh, you know, the average, my, my average salaries last year, the average place when I made was about 145,000 U.S. base salary. And, um, you know, I think my average fee was, I don't know, 32 grand last year, I think it was, somewhere around there. And, and, and to clear that up for people maybe in the U.K., you're able to charge trailing fees. Um, um, I don't do trailers. I mean, I just do it on the base salary. You know, I learned okay. a long time ago, you can't get greedy, you know, okay. especially when you work for yourself. Hey, listen, if someone wants to pay me a $30,000 fee, I'll take that any day over fighting over the extra, you know, where, you know, have to track someone down about their commissions and everything else. Um, I mean, I work straight contingent for the most part. I mean, 99% of my deals are contingent. That's impressive. Um, so it brings me to an interesting question. You know, the, on LinkedIn, you know, I get a lot of hate anytime I, I say to people, you know, you can do a lot of this job by the phone and by the tools that you, we have. We don't necessarily need to be meeting people face to face. You're obviously proving that that's the case. Uh, you want to hear something funny? I think I have met maybe 12 people in person my entire career. <laughs> and one of, one of them I ended up dating her for three years, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was, like, was a client and a candidate. <laughs> so, so your wife doesn't let you meet anybody. This was a long time ago. This was well before yeah. her. <laughs> so, very good. So, so 12 meetings in 20 uh, in odd years. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so how do you win your business? Uh, it, it truly is cold calling. I mean, it's refer- a lot of referrals. I shouldn't say truly cold calling. It's, re- it's a lot of referrals. It's all cold calling, emailing. Um, you know, I, I, I think this, you know, I, I listen, don't get me wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with meeting people. I just think it's a giant time suck most of the time. Um, I, I definitely don't think it hurt. It, it definitely doesn't hurt. But, um, you know, for me, honestly, I just I love just getting on the phone, calling people and seeing how we can help. You know, you bring them some value. And yeah. you got the, the trick to this business is just building rapport quickly. Yeah, the, it's 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 really interesting. I agree with everything you're saying. Um with uh, with with regards, you, you're billing close or over one million, and you've been doing that mm-hmm. year on year for how long? I mean, I, I would say the last, you know, I, I don't, I got, I'd have to look up my averages, but I mean, I've I've been doing, you know, between eight hundred to over a million, you know, the last, I don't know, better part of ten years at least, you know. That uh, that that's some staggering number. I, I think there'll be people listening to this, and they'll be going, oh, "Why is he still working a desk? Why doesn't he have other people doing doing this for him?" Well, what there must have been a point when when you've tried to hire people, when you've tried to replicate the Rich Rosen way of doing things. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, I mean, I I've tried off and on. I mean, I I've 
I really have no, I don't really want to get an office and doing the virtual thing is super hard. It's hard enough to train people in person, let alone doing it virtually. So, I mean, I had one girl that worked for me, you know, virtually and she, she crushed it. I mean, she was with me for like six years and she personally, I mean, it's like her billing alone. She, I think her best year, she did, you know, four, four forty, four fifty. Um, in addition to, to my billing and she, she was, you know, some of those are split deals with me. But she was she was a killer. She was phenomenal. But she got burnt out. And so she moved on. I've tried other people. And honestly, I, I, I feel people need too much handholding. It's it's very special person that wants to put in the work and the effort it takes to be really successful in this business. And, you know, really successful to me is not making 50, 100 grand. You know, it's making the four five, 600 grand that mm-hmm. takes the time and the effort to put in. And so it's, 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 I find it, I find one of the hardest things to do is to hire recruiters that actually will last, you know, and um... it's a very interesting point. And I think a lot of businesses that are built to scale, although they may not admit this, they're happy if they get 18 months to, to three years out of a recruiter and, and they're happy to get a grad and drive them hard for that time, but not be over reliant on them. And then, and and then enter the next person and divide up their desk and then and then it just goes it just goes like that because as you said it's a it's a bloody hard job what yeah keeps you, what keeps you motivated what what keeps a million dollar biller that's been doing this for years like what, what gets them up and makes 50 calls a day it, it's the it's honestly it's the, it's the thrill of the win it's the money it's the you know I, I you know i live in boston boston is an absurdly expensive place you know with you know, the, to, to live the life we want to live. We travel a lot. We, you know, got two kids. You got, you know, there's a lot of expenses here are ridiculous. So walk, I mean, walk, I mean, walk me through what you, what, what a million dollar biller spends his cash on. <laughs> what I don't spend my cash on anything. My wife spends my cash on everything. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, I, I call her Spenderella. So she's, she's, you know, you know, she books these big fancy trips. We got, you know, got nice cars, um, you know, but, it's just taxes. I mean, taxes here, our taxes, literally in my town, they just went up 10% yesterday, uh, literally yesterday. Oh uh, and it's, it's over $20,000 in real estate tax, you know? So it's, um, it, it's just, it's expensive. Living here is, is really, you know, pricey. And then you got to remember, you know, basically 40% of what you earn is going to taxes anyway. So yeah. it, it's, uh, you know, medical insurance, health insurance, all that kind of stuff is expensive or just health, just bills in general. So it's just it, New England's a really expensive place to live. It's a really not. It's a great place to live, but it's it is not cheap. <laughs> to, to you, say the least. Yeah. Were you ever so. tempted? Were you ever tempted to find a lower tax area? Oh, and, I, uh, I'd move in a heartbeat. <laughs> I mean, I'm from here, but my uh, my wife spe- has no, no desire to move. Spenderella, so. uh, Spenderella again, is it? <laughs> so she, exactly. So we're she's got no desire to move, so we're not moving anytime soon. <laughs> So, so not until the kids are out of, out of high school, at least. <laughs> so what, what type of stuff are you using to be successful other than the phone right now? And I appreciate the phone is your main tool. You, you're there. Is, there. is there certain software that you're using? Like- yeah, I mean, I, I use Crelate for my database, which is a you know, great young database company. Uh, it's, not, not, it's, you know, it's a great value for what they give you. It's super simple to learn and use. Um, the guys, the founders are super nice. They're, they, they, they're great working with their with their users. So, I mean, I use, you know, Crelate's my, my database that I use for everything. And, you know, I can do everything. So that's, I mean, I mass mail out of there. I email, you know, text out of there. Um, 
do whatever you know everything you can really is done out there but it's really for me it's it's i don't spend a lot on as much as i love technology i'm always looking for new tools mm. uh i mean i'm it, it's it's linkedin it's lucia for finding you know phone numbers and emails it's my database and that's really it to be honest with you i fi- i find most of the tools that people use and maybe maybe i'm wrong and i wish i, I would love someone to show me if i'm if i'm i'm pretty technical so I, i'm pretty sure i've tried these out pretty well but I find most of these tools, at least for me as a solo guy, they just cause you more work. And I find most recruiters spend more time playing with technology in trying to create a shortcut than if they actually just did the, the, the work properly themselves or, you know, directly. Like, uh, you know, a lot of the um, list builders and stuff, you know, there's all these different solutions out there that, you know, you can do a Boolean search and it brings everyone back to you. But you still got to go through that list anyway, just like you would on LinkedIn or anything else. <laughs> so yeah. I've yet to see what the time savings is. So I, I don't believe in any of that. Uh, yes. there, there's certain things I do believe in, though. And I, I think virtual assistants can be probably used for more than you're using them. Agreed. Um, and I also feel that the social side of being able to bring in a thousand people, a hundred thousand people to your message and creating an inbound solution to go with the traditional one is is probably the ideal solution, but it can also be a time a, a time dragon as well. So it's a, it, I think it's going to be tough, tough to find a find a balance for people moving forward. And obviously, for somebody like you, if it's if it's not broken, why fix it? Well, well that's the thing. And you you focus on quality over quantity. Like there's no need to you know. I just posted something yesterday because people sit there and mass email. They say email doesn't you know do these bulk emails and you should personalize everything. I'm like you, you know, if you email strategically to the right people you don't have to send five million emails out you know you send sale you send an email for, for sales guys to sales guys an email for accountants to accountants i mean basic mm. stuff that people just don't do it, 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 i get calls all the time and it just scratched my head i'm like why would you send it to these people i mean because people just they they just they curate these giant lists and don't want to go through them and that's the groundwork that makes the difference one of the things I, I would say I, I'm relatively good at is identifying quality pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But how do you go about that with with a sales guy? Like, what what at what point do you do you go to yourself? Okay, this guy's a gun. I, I want to work with him. Um, a, a lot of it is is personality and energy. You know, are they you know, and and how are they answering the questions? Are they you know just are they avoiding giving me numbers? Are they avoiding talk to me about success or are they just giving me fluffy answers at a high level you know uh, sales guys should be proud of their numbers you know i mean that's why it's i, I find it with recruiters it's funny they get embarrassed by saying what they're billed i'm like dude that's how you're measured man that's, they, that's they don't in the uk <laughs> yeah dude here everyone people get get all offended it's like I, i'm like who cares whether you did a hundred grand or a million dollars you know that whoever you're talking to is probably not going to pay your bills anyway so if you're not doing a million dollars then ask for help if you're doing a million dollars ask the guy that's billing two million dollars i mean it's a, it's for help i mean everyone's uh, everyone's got a different strategy and they all work you know you just get it's all how you execute so, so the, fir- the first thing you do is you work backwards on the numbers and let them tell the story is that right and then as they're telling the story you're saying to yourself are, is this guy is this guy building rapport enough is he is he selling the story does he sound like a good salesperson and then what once you've established those two things is there anything else that you that, that you put into your process yeah i mean it's, it's literally just you know going through a whole series of screening questions to see what they've sold how they've sold it and just how they're telling a the story you know yeah. it, it, is a lot of it i mean it, it's um that that's really it i mean there's a lot of this to be honest with this there's some gut feel to this job you know, yeah. you know, for at least for salespeople. I mean, it's not like it's an engineer where you know coding or you don't know this particular, you know, programming language. 
you know, sales guys, it's, it's energy, it's rapport. It's all right. Maybe the guy didn't have a 300% year. You know, why was he only 6% of his number? Where do you rank on the team? He could have still been number one. So maybe it wasn't his fault, hmm. you know, but it's, it's all how they tell the story. And do they have the, uh, the it's never their fault either though. No, right? it's never their fault. Never, <laughs> ever, ever. <laughs> so, so that, that brings me back. Um, I, uh, I tried to do a bit of executive sales uh, recruitment recently. I was just experimenting with expanding out into another area and maybe hiring somebody to do that. And I found it very different speaking to guys in their early 20s to guys in their 40s. Have, have you found that? If so what's that? How do you go around that? What's it been like? I, I think yes and no. I think the average 20 year old millennial. Yeah, it's different, you know, because they need to be coddled. You need to really sell the culture. You need to sell diversification. You need to sell them on, you know, just different aspects. It's not about money. It's not even about career growth. Sometimes it's just about the cultural fit and how they're going to learn. Yet they're going to leave in six months. So why they care is beyond me anyway. But the, <laughs> the, 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 but at the end of the day, I find the 20 year olds as millennials that really are the, top, the A players. They don't care about all that crap. <laughs> they just really want to know. They want to know just like every other senior sales guy, how are they going to make money? How much can they make? And is it, is it a good place to work? I mean, no one wants to go work for some, some, some schmuck, hmm. you know? So, you know, they want, everyone wants a good place to go. But I, I find the millennials, again, this is just for sales guys. It's all I can speak to, you know, they, they're, they just want this. They just want honesty. They just want you to be straight, straight with them and, you know, tell them the truth. And I, I, I don't think they're as different. The good ones aren't as different as people think mm. they are, you know. You're a contingent guy, right? Yep. Full, I'm almost full contingent. We're trying to move a little, little bit away from that, but I don't see moving too far away from it. Why are you trying to move away from it? Uh, just, just, you know, honestly, just because, you know, I find the market shifting a little bit now. There's so many recruiters, so many insights, so many inside recruiters, even that. I mean, I've had two two deals pulled recently, two verbal offers pulled recently. I've had two, I've had, uh, you know, another couple of companies, internal recruiters try to, you know, snake the system. And um, I'm just hearing more and more of that from other recruiters too. So Mm. it's just, you know, I've done some engaged searches and I'm thinking about trying to do more engaged searches now um, just because of it. I mean, just the constant, it's it's an interesting recruiting time with negative unemployment in the U S that people are still that that it, the market's actually getting harder. Now you you know to get to get good companies to understand how recruiters work. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah, and so you know when you you run a, a contingent desk, do, are you you get a good candidate? Are you bringing that candidate to a few different places and making sure that they have options, or are you quite role specific in the way you go around your work? Um, if, if it's contingent and it's a long established client, and I've got exclusivity. I'll try to keep that guy just to one company. If I really, if I know the candidate's fully interested in that opportunity, if he's just kind of dipping his toe in the water and he's not really truly excited about it, but I got him to talk to him, then I may send him out to multiple places. But if it's just a general, like first time working with this guy, the client's not, not, an, you know, maybe not like my A plus client yet, then yeah. Or they're moving slow. Then yeah, I'll send them out to as many places as I can. So, you know, so it really, really depends on the, on your percentage of success. It's the relationship. It's like, what's my relationship with this yeah. hiring manager? Is this guy going to have my back? If he has my back, I'll have his back. If it's just, I'm just, you know, uh, you just cannon fodder. And it's, you know, I don't, not that I take a lot of companies that will have 15 recruiters working on a search, but if it's, 
you know, if, if it's just the first time and I don't really get the sense that they're moving quickly, I mean, I've got, a, I've got clients that are good companies, good opportunities, but they just don't have the urgency, you know, as much as they say they do. So those guys, absolutely. I'll send these guys out as many as they can. And is the increased competition, are, are you getting your fees squeezed at all? No. Um, I mean, companies are trying to, which is, again, in this market, it amazes me, but it just shows how bad a job recruiting as an industry has done to train companies on how, what a good recruiter actually does. But no, I mean, for me, though, I work, you know, 20, 25 percent. You know, I got some at 28, but uh, I won't go anything below 20 percent because I, I have a 110 percent belief that the companies that the cheaper the company, the bigger the pain in the ass. You know, it's to me, if I, you know, if I can make, you know, average my fee, you know, give or take a few thousand bucks around 30,000 U.S. A, uh, you know, per placement, I can I can live. I'll be all right. You know, <laughs> you can you can more than live. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unless unless Spenderella gets her hands on us. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, you're you're somebody I see on recruitment forums. Um, mm-hmm. That's not doing anything to make you money personally. So is it's obviously something you're doing to try and learn as a recruiter or to, to, to I'm not sure what, what drives you to that. And. Who are your influencers in business and in recruitment? Um, I I, lo- I love doing these recruiting forums, and you know, just because one, I mean, it's just, it's just fun to help people get better at this business. Because I just think that if everyone, if we're all working on the same level, we're all make more money. It all makes our job easier as recruiters. It's when you get these people doing stuff at you know eight percent, ten percent, you know, throwing crap against the wall, you know, type recruiting, that it hurts all of us. Mm. You know, and so I think it's it's good to help everyone. It's um, you know, so I I find it personally interesting. Uh, you know, I'm part of the Pinnacle Society, which is you know where it's all a big group of top billers, and that's part of it. We all like to just give back and help a little bit to the the industry and the space. And you know, it, it, again, just improve, improves everyone's quality of life in the, in this business. But as you know, as far as business guys, I mean, I I love like guys in this business. I like Danny Cahill. I think he's got great stuff. Uh, great one-liners and he's probably to me he's probably the best in the business so you know jeff k all those types of guys and and do you do you listen to other other business influencers to for your knowledge or uh you know what i listen to a lot i listen to a lot of podcasts is uh ira glass is was ira glass is the uh how we built this how these you know it's how we built this how these people started their you know mega successful companies it's a great one Uh, we study billionaires is a great one um, really fascinating stuff. Even uh, Malcolm Gladwell, Revisionist History, is 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 a great one to listen to. It's uh, just fascinating stuff. That I mean, you know, I, I think one of the things you can do in this business, anyone, anything you can make yourself more well rounded. Just you can bring up talking points about different stuff. Even honestly, even the Food Network, you learn about great restaurants in the middle of middle of Cleveland. If you call a client in Cleveland and say, "Hey, do you ever try this place?" and suddenly you got a whole conversation going, and you you know start building rapport off, you know to really solidify your relationship. Simple stuff uh, like that helps. And when uh, you've been in the industry for, is it 25 years? Uh, I think 22, 23, something like so that. You, so you've yeah. seen it change dramatically in that time. Uh, we, I mean, like technology alone has, has changed everything. You weren't using the internet before, now, yeah. now, now it's all there. What do you see? Do you, do you see yourself still doing this in 10 years time? And if so, what, what, what do you think the landscape will look like then? Uh, I, I got a 12 and a 14 year old, so they still got to get through college, That's, <laughs> which is so, yeah, I'll be doing this for at least another 10, 15 years. Um, 
the uh, you know what do I think it looked like? I don't really know to be honest with you. I, I, I I'm still a pretty much an old school recruiter in my, most ways. So I, you know, even with all the technology, yeah, you you embrace it and use it. I, to me, every, I know people are getting away from the phone. I still think that's the best tool. And I think in 20 years from now, whatever form of the phone it is, whether it's just video calls or whatever, I still think it's going to be the best form. So, you know, but whatever is going to get you in front, whatever is going to allow you to actually have a two-way conversation, you know, simultaneously, not an email, wait and wait for his response, wait for your response. I mean, a real live conversation. That's that's whatever that is that's what's going to be the best use of uh, everyone's time well rich rosen uh it's been uh, it's been great getting to know you and uh and i'm sure we've all learned a lot and uh and i can't wait to release this and uh and yeah it's, it's really demonstrated that there's a there's a different way to go about business now like yourself you don't have to scale it you can uh, you can just run a great desk and uh, and it's worked out for you. So yeah, uh, work smart. It's going to work smart. That's all you got to do. <laughs> good man. Thanks so, for your time. Thanks and, for having uh, me. Stay in touch. You too. Thanks very much. Bye right. bye. Well, there you go, Rich Rosen, million dollar filler. Uh, massive thank you to Rich for coming on and sharing his experiences. Really good guy. And uh, I, I enjoyed it because I think there's lots of different ways to be successful in recruitment. And and his way is very simple. I mean, I think you'll all agree listening to that. It's, it's a business model that a lot of us could just set up and run if, if we had a good starting point. Now, he's been doing the same desk for over 20 years and he is in a good marketplace and i think he is an exceptional sales guy on a phone and he's played to that strength but some interesting takeaways uh, from it uh, for me anyway was that he never meets any of his candidates or clients and he never feels it necessary to do so which uh, which some of you might be thinking oh you know sales guys it's all about presentation you know, how is he, how is he doing that? And, and, you know, there might be a bit of video uh, stuff that he's up to as well. Um, but I think he, he outlined that it's very much a results-based interview and uh, a competency-based interview that he does with them. And it seems to work for him. Um, great, great fees, great percentages. And, you know, he's using a virtual assistant, not really to her full effect. He, he isn't really doing anything with social media properly. Um, he's very old school in the way that he, he operates. You know, he plans his calls the night before. He emails them and then he text blasts them. And then, you know, he executes and he's got the best candidates. He knows who the best players are. He's an expert in his market. And I think the real key to his success is that he stayed in the one place, in the one area, and he's consistent in the way that he delivers that. Now, I, I, it was only a half an hour interview, so I haven't really gone into the nitty gritties of how he handles an objection and all the basic stuff. Uh, he does go through a lot of that on the Recruiting Animal Show, and you'll see him on the Facebook group, Recruiters Online, where he's, uh, he's a massive contributor uh, to that group, where he answers questions regularly. So... Uh, James Osborne's on next week. Alex Moyle is on the week after. 
we're probably going to talk a bit more about scalable businesses over the next couple of weeks because appreciate the last couple of weeks it's it's been a lot about independent recruiters and solutions for them but i want to give you guys the the full spectrum of what's available to you if you're thinking of setting up a recruitment business whether that is a lifestyle business like rich rosen or it's a boutique or it's a scalable medium-sized business or or you want to create the next michael page you know we, we want to cover the whole basis here so uh so yeah see you next week and hope you're all enjoying the world cup the podcast you just heard was published with anchor got something you want to say to the creator of this show send them a voice message using the anchor app free for ios and android <laughs>